science isn't about why, it's about why not. Get out of my personal space! We are going to have the Air Force and we are going to have the Space Force. Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Oh, hey. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Safety Doc Podcast. I am Dr. David Proden, recording down here from the North Star Recording Studio in southern Wisconsin. So, another wonderful podcast today. This time, we're going to be interviewing Brian Bowden from the Bronx in New York City. But before we get to that, do me a favor. Please subscribe to this YouTube channel. The show's also on Podbean and Apple Podcast. 128 episodes so far, each episode at least an hour long. In addition to that, I write a comprehensive blog post that goes along with every show. So if you want to learn more about school, community safety, a lot of interviews with people um, from Jennifer Fritton, Search and Rescue, to today, Bryden Bowden giving you the insight of somebody who has always lived in New York City, of what is authentically happening in New York City. Please subscribe to my channel. I've been doing more live streams to have several on deck for the show. I appreciate that the membership has, has increased. More people are following the show. More comments. I will respond. Um, but please, subscribe to the Safety Doc Podcast. Uh, few other things is, hey, I'm the author of the book, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. You can get this off Amazon, um, other places that sell books, right? It's hard copy. It looks 30 bucks. You can get it in Kindle for less. The first chapter, how thinking about a bagel can get you through the worst day of your life and also transitioning into chaos. So a lot about self-similarity, how we get used to things and then how things change and how we have to adjust to that. So really a terrific read right now as we've all been operating kind of out in this new chaos zone and in self-similarity trying to figure out what it's like during this time of coronavirus so again school of errors consider um you know consider that book on amazon so again thank you so much for um watching the show please hit subscribe you can go back check out other episodes today's guest is Brian Bowden again coming to us live from the Bronx in New York City, kind of the epicenter of the coronavirus in the United States. So Brian was born and raised in New York City. He set on a path of an architectural engineer but succumbed to the reality that business was his future, even though he had a love for the sciences. He's managed to squeeze in physics, astronomy while studying finance, um, graduate from university with a degree in international finance with a minor in emerging markets. He's used his talents to work with the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, World Bank, regarding uh, solving third world debt issues. He's also worked with top-tier broker-dealers. Uh, Brian's a creator and producer, co-host of the critically acclaimed Beyond the Realm radio show, 
He's a published author, musician, and artist. He left a career in Wall Street to start a think tank and pursue business development on a global scale. Brian is the co-host of Inside the Goblin Universe radio program with Raul Murphy and host of Nobo Boo Me, Nobody But Me. He also has appeared several times on Dave Scott's Spaced Out Radio and also has appeared in numerous newspaper articles, independent films, and a variety of top-tier podcasts. Brian um, appeared in Red Earth Uncovered, a Canadian series that will air beginning in 2020. It will also appear on Into the Unknown, a new paranormal series on the Travel Channel in February of 2020. So, yeah, checking out um, Brian's, Brian's work um, on international scope. Uh, he is the North American correspondent for the Outer Limits magazine. Brian is working on a series of new books based on his paranormal experiences, investigations, and theories as well. A few children's books and short stories. He's currently developing new intellectual property for both television and the big screen, including scheduling, investigations, conferences, and events for the year ahead. So I met Brian um, through the Mallard Report, Jim Mallard, the Mallard Report, um, which is every Tuesday night, M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. Um, Brian is, is brilliant. He's, he's a scientist. He's a skeptic. He looks at things from the scientific model. When the coronavirus, um, the media started to take off with the coronavirus, this is what's happening in New York City. This is what's happening across the country. I put together a network of face validity member checks. These are people who I believed would be able to authentically tell me what was happening out in their community versus what you hear on, on the news, making sure that those two things kind of uh, match up, right? That you're, you're getting authentic representation of what's happening. So Brian and I communicated on almost a daily basis. We had Skype meetings and, and we'd go back and forth. What, what do you see, Brian, when you're going out to the grocery store, if you're you know driving down the road, uh, what do you see? And that was very helpful. So uh, Brian, and, and likewise, I was giving him back information of, here's what I'm experiencing in southern Wisconsin. <clears throat> Excuse me. Those same types of things. Like when I, when I go to the grocery store, if I drive past a park, um, here's, here's um, people are recognizing their social distancing, right? And things like that. So it, that, was, that was very important because, again, Brian is terrific with observation. And he's also terrific at, at understanding how these bigger systems work together. Like how does, how does monetary systems work together during a coronavirus when the velocity of money is almost frozen, right? Like, you know, people are saving their dollars, not spending them, and then those, those dollars get spent somewhere else. How does all of this look? How do these big concepts come together? So that was the catalyst for bringing Brian on this episode of the Safety Doc Podcast, which we're going to get into here in just a minute. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's become a, a good friend. And this is also, you know, it's, it's a whole different perspective of looking at some macro level perspectives of what we've all experienced here in a relatively short amount of time. So everybody, thank you for watching the Safety Doc Podcast. And you're going to enjoy Brian Bowden. Hey, everybody. This is the Safety Doc, Dr. David Proden, live from down here in the North Star Recording Studio, where it is still a brisk 62 degrees. But folks, guess what? It was 74 degrees outside yesterday. Spring is officially here in southern Wisconsin. 
Um, we continue to have amazing and crazy stuff happening with the coronavirus. On today's show, Brian Bowden from the Bronx, from New York City, the epicenter. Brian's going to talk to us about face validity. We're going to be talking about the tracing practices to find out where people have been and start talking about bigger things like social credit score and, and what are some things that are going to change? What are some issues with privacy that already have changed specific to the coronavirus event? Um, folks, welcome Brian Bowden to the show. Brian, thank you for being a guest on the Safety Doc podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Um, well, tell us, tell us about your, you're, you're an amazing guy. So I, I've talked about it here at the, the intro. I've known Brian for a while. You know, we've, we've had conversations, uh, over, over Skype. We've been checking, um, in with each other on a regular basis for something called face fluidity, but tell us about your, your work, your podcast, um, your, your, your book, you've got amazing stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the kind words. Um, a lot of what I do, I do, um, I do for myself. So, uh, you know, when I publish my books and, and they go out there, or write music, I'm actually doing it for me, not necessarily for everybody. I, I think it's enjoyable content that I put out there, but um, it's something I've wanted to do. And it's kind of like those, those mile markers, milestones. Uh, but I, I've been a business guy for a while, um, was initially thinking about becoming a physicist um, right. or yeah, an astrophysicist, but uh, and an architect. So I was tossed between the two. Problem is, uh, when you regress the markets, there's no money to be made in any of that unless you're, you know, you're working as an evil genius someplace. Sure. <laughs> like Drew, yes. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. So, um, uh, you know, I had a little business doing some design work and drafting for a lot of people between uh, architects and designers, and um, I just went into business. So, when, in business, I started working for broker-dealers. I have a degree in finance. Um, with a, a concentration in emerging markets. And that was, I was uh, broker, uh, working for big broker dealers for about 20 years. Um, and then after that, uh, not like it, my contract, it was initially empl full employment, then they went to like these independents because they were trying to save money. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, yeah, you right. know. <laughs> hey, we'll just save money. And they don't. They, they wound up not. But uh, the long run is, um, I kind of like my contract was up. So, and then we were having a baby. So I got to stay home while my wife went to work. She's been in the um, printing business. They do uh, screen printing and uh, jerseys, you know, customized type, type of stuff. Her company went down and then we started our own marketing slash promotion company. So that's what I've been doing for a while. But on the other side of it, one of my hobbies and my interests, you know, besides astrophysics uh, and some of that, that like, I mean, I like a lot of that paranormal sci-fi stuff. I always was interested in it. And I've been investigating that stuff for a long time. Um, I don't have a tinfoil hat notice, uh, right. but you know, <laughs> uh, I, the, the, the beauty of having a science ish background is you can take in the full spectrum and then you come up with a, with a, you know, what you think. Right. Um, and from that point, a couple of years ago, I started a podcast and then I, I hooked up with a, my co-host for the, uh, one of the shows I do called inside the goblin universe which is on Podbean. Um, and we do our own show with Ron Murphy. He's a co-host. And then I started doing my own show because, frankly, I've had enough talk about UFOs and, you know, all the crazy stuff. And I want to talk to musicians. I want to talk to artists. I want to talk to politics. I want oh, to yeah. talk about, you know. So that's where I am. Um, yeah, I just put my banner behind me and my book, my new book. And, um, it's a poetry. It's actually lyrics because I, I do do music as well. 
um, for my own. I've written a ton of stuff. And in a nutshell, this is what it is. I mean, I, I, I did prior to going, and I forgot to tell you this, this is where I did do a lot of work for the IMF and World Bank. Yeah. And, and one, of my, one of my big projects, actually my main big project, was to come up with a way to solve the third world debt problem. And I remember having the meeting with all these people, and I said, well, are you serious about this, or is this just, you know, talk? And they kind of gave me this grin, yeah, we're serious. Like, yeah, okay, I knew you weren't. But I came up right. with a solution to, you know, right. it's like, oh, okay. Like, it's like when someone gets your resume, like, you know, you're not right for the job. We'll keep it on file. And my response is make sure you recycle, um, you know, whatever. So, but I did come up with a plan to help alleviate their world debt. It was a 50 year plan. Um, it was actually genius. It stopped the payments immediately. And for about 25 to 30 years, it was total cooperation between non third world nations and building industry, and then by year 20, they should have been flying at this point sure. and would have been able to pay up the debt and the problem, you know, not a problem. Um, a lot of what's been coming out lately that I'm hearing on how to resolve what we're going through financially, um, I think someone has my paper <laughs> because it's just, it's like, oh, yeah, I know about this. I mean, I think they may be using it as a, a benchmark, which... Right. I'd be very happy if they did, um, and it is a solution. So that's where I was. So that's that's who I am. Sorry for going a little no, bit no. too talky. Hey, <laughs> and Brian, um, you are a New Yorker, right? I mean, you you grew up in New York. You, that, that's yeah. your city. Um, yeah, you can have it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm born and raised in New York, New York City, um, or as that's now known, the plagued apple. Um, you know, we, we number one. Yeah, we're number one. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting place. It's not the New York. I remember of old, um, there's a lot of nostalgia that people have for certain areas of New York. Um, but it's not the same New York. It actually has more people here from that were not born and raised here than are born and raised here. Okay. Um, and it makes it quite difficult because they have this preconceived idea from movies and entertainment. You have to act a certain way. Right. And, Contrary to popular opinion, New Yorkers actually are very polite. We're loud and abrasive, you know, like at certain points, hey, oh, you know, but <laughs> we, have, we do have manners, you know. Um, it's the other people that, that come in, think they have to up their game that really aren't as polite as they could be. So, but it's too expensive here. Um, I'm not really big on the, 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 the politics that, that, that is prevalent here. It just, just right. doesn't work for anybody. Right. Um, and if I, I'm, I'm just not to get too political, but I'm neither a Republican or a Democrat. I'm really the middle, okay. uh, which would be a Jeffersonian liberal. And let me hear uh, when you hear the term liberal, it sends shivers up my spine. But if you look at the true definition, it's more like libertarian, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, where it's like, look, we, we need a little bit of government, but in general, leave it I'm, the hell alone. I'm kind of with that. You know, I, I'm a big Hobbes Leviathan guy, you know, with the social contract of saying, right. you know, we, we need something, but we don't need it or want it to be invasive and progressive. Right. Um, so, um, Brian, you know, we, we made, you know, connections um, right around, you know, maybe the middle of March. Okay. Right. And, and, and in a context for people out there, obviously, you know, middle of March, rapidly, the NCAA <laughs> shuts down their 
basketball tournament. The NBA shuts down. Um, Disney shuts down. I mean, all of a sudden, states are telling people um, <laughs> lockdown, stay at home, and then they soften the words safer at home and stuff like this. But basically, right. this this rapid shutdown of everything, plus this 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 acceleration of of um, fear, right? Of saying, oh yeah, you know, if you're outside. You know, you could catch this in, in projections of numbers. Um, so, so what I did, and this is something you do, but you're you're somebody I, I connected with, is I I built out my network for face validity. People that I right. could contact every you know couple of days and say, what Brian, what do you authentically experience where you're at when you go outside? What is actually happening? Because on the news, it sounds like it's people going through the streets. You know fighting everybody for, for grocery <laughs> stuff, you know, that, that there are, um, you know, morgues being set up, um, in every park and, and, and this, and, and not, and not to downplay that things aren't happening, but the, the amplitude of which things are happening, I think needs to be calibrated through these member checks. So it's something called face validity Yeah, and face validity is, is, and I think both of us would suggest this for everybody out there, people that, you know, um, people that you trust in different parts of the country, uh, talk to them and, and don't say, what did you hear on the news at your local station? <laughs> say what, did, when you went out today, um, or yesterday, what did you actually see at the grocery store, past the hospital, the parks, the armory, things like that. So, um, right. but there were, so face validity, we started to talk and there were some really weird things with face validity that completely didn't match this narrative of shutting everything down, protective gear, um, you know, non-contact delivery methods. And one of, one of those that I saw right away was I, I was watching our postal carrier. So our postal carrier comes down the road and walks up to every house, opens up the mailbox and then puts the mail. in. so it's not like, right. you know, mailbox out at, out at the road. So, so I'm watching this mail carrier comes down, comes to our house, gets the mail, walks away, but nothing like no gloves, no mask, no magic wand to go <laughs> over and put radiation onto the postal yep. package. I mean, nothing. And that was this morning. And today is March 8th. And, and so not, or, or today is April. Nothing has changed. I saw the FedEx um, person deliver to my neighbor threw up the back of the thing on the FedEx truck, rifled through many boxes with bare hands, shorts, you know, just, just the, 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 the FedEx shirt on, no protective gear, take three, four boxes in his arms, put them up by a door. And I'm thinking, wow, we've been into this like three weeks now, and these are big systems which haven't changed their practice. So to me, those things really stand out. Other things that stood out, you know, watching the TV footage of in Italy, hearse after hearse after hearse for, for burials. And I'm thinking if this, if this is as contagious as what they're saying, you know, even if I, I I know when someone's a body's dead, right. That it's not breathing and expelling. Wouldn't you incinerate all of these bodies? Wouldn't you have this? Why would you, why would you take the risk of putting? So, so there's there's things that that come together and and there's many more, but let me, I'm going to ask you how did you did face validity checks. You actually posted videos on YouTube, like five minute videos, which were awesome. Yeah. And um, tell me about face validity. When you, when you started doing it in New York, what you saw, what made sense, what doesn't make sense. Thank you for tuning in to the safety doc podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. 
author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. Yeah, you know, um, when this first started, we, we really connected. Um, it was very interesting. So so this coronavirus-19, 19th version, version of this virus or form of it, um, is, it is considered a class two virus, okay, on the scale of, of how contagious and, and how you re- react to it. Right. Um, so SARS is like a class three, four virus. That means it's highly contagious, um, right. imminent problems and death. Like, you know, and, and then you get the Ebola and whatever, which is class four, which is like your body's melt internally and you're bleeding through your eyeballs. Yeah. So, so the problem I had here is, um, I, I knew about this a long time ago, well into 2019, I saw this taking place and I actually made a post that said, um, thanking China for giving the United States probably one of the greatest gifts it will ever receive uh, very shortly, which is the ability to do manufacturing back in this country. Right. Because of this virus. If this becomes, you know, and I I was thinking pandemics because it happens all the time, um, but China really, pardon the expression, screwed the pooch. Um, Whether it was intentional or unintentional, I'm not going to go into just yet, but so I knew... I knew about the virus. I knew what it was. I have friends that work actually with the government in bio weapons type of uh, uh, analysis and threats and whatever. And I said, why is a class two virus being treated like a class four virus? I said, there's something else going on here. Right. So that being in the back of my mind and, you know, some people say, oh, conspiracy theorists. Well, if you look at a lot of the conspiracy theories out there, They've been proven true, so it's not a theory. It's just when I do my research, no matter how crazy yeah. something is, I always keep the that question. The hypothesis is there. Right. Is this something more than that? I agree, and I'm going to. Add, I mean, in the discussions right. we've had, I mean, you are you're an intellectual, scientific uh, uh, skepticist, which we all should be, as, as I am. Like that's how that's right. We and, and and again, we're looking at authentic things and trying to match them to to narratives and and. And so, yeah, I, I, right. I really appreciate you know, so, the you know, diligence. Th- there's a lot of other thinking there. It's not just like, you know, I'm taking it as, you know, fact. It's just we have a couple, couple different categories taking place at once, and I got to keep looking, and as the evidence builds up, say, no, no, I'm going to push that to the side a little bit more until something else comes up. So with that being uh, the consideration, I started to notice as well that um, New York got, you know, you're all going home. We were, us in California, I think we're the first, right? right. Um, California, anytime they can do that, they'll do it. Um, the problem I had here is, is there was a lot of started complaints that were taking place from our governor. Uh, you know, he's going off on the president. Everybody's going off on him. How come he didn't do, you know, we, we have a problem here. And then I remembered like in 9-11, in under 
in under six hours, I mean, like less than six hours, maybe even three. The minute the planes hit and they knew it was a terrorist attack, this entire country shut down. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like locked up. Right. That's one. Two, New York, they shut the state down. You could not go really into, you, there were roadblocks, there was a military. Getting in and out of New York City to like Jersey or whatever was quite difficult. So the, the, the overhyping of these, these political personnel uh, out there on opposite sides of the party was like, this is too much. You know, like you shut the state down, put the state troopers in front of the border and shut it down. Right. You know, which you could have been done. That being said, it, it, you know, it's like, okay, this is a serious thing. Let's, let's take it a little more seriously. But I too noticed the, the, I was watching the face validity. Um, I remember, you know, people that worked at the bank were just taking money. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, and like no masks. And no gloves, and that is the dirtiest substance in the planet, you know? Yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, like, really dirty. You you know, and then I think initially it was corporations saying, no, we don't want to scare our customers. Don't wear a mask. To which I would have replied, I don't want to drop dead, so I am wearing a mask. And if yeah. you really want to get to it, I mean, they could have said that. But, again, class 2 virus, right? It's the flu. What's the, it's the, This is the flu with pneumonia. Yes. It's basically like SARS, but it's less, less than whatever with SARS. As, as They're both serious, but SARS is really, really powerful. Um, and if you look at the average, it's like 60,000 for people that, that die with flu every year. Right. And then like, uh, I think 50 or 60 with pneumonia. So if you add them up, it's 120,000 people a right. year in this country die from these two diseases. Right. So the numbers that we have right now, and don't get me wrong, I'm not diminishing it, but we're in line with if you had SARS and the flu. And I haven't seen too many people really having the flu this year. So, you know, there's other issues there. But getting back to face validity, the postal people aren't, weren't wearing anything. No. U.S. postal workers. My buddy, the people I know in this, I have a buddy that's a 30-year vet. He always wears these black gloves with, like, rubberized gloves. Yeah. And... He started because he was going to schools. He started wearing masks, and they used to give. I mean, they, they wrote him up to high heaven, you know. Initially, wow. in this, he kind of got sick about three weeks back, which it sounded like this disease, but it was probably a, it was probably a touch of it. Sure, but he didn't test positive for it. But he went through a couple of rounds of antibiotics. His, his wife did too, um, but when he kind of like was working at his station in in uh, Westchester. Um, one of the guys here tested positive. They closed the station now. Okay. Okay. And, and people are dying from this. I'm not diminishing the disease. People are dying. Right. Uh, just heard yesterday from, uh, my good buddy that, that, you know, his brother-in-law's, you know, one of his coworkers, 43 years old, dead. Yeah. Um, another friend of mine, his sister went in, wasn't feeling the two days dead. Right. You know, so people are, are, are dying from this. Now, I don't know their history. I don't know where they were going, who they're hanging out with. Buyers, you know, myself, my, my wife, my kids, we've been trying to stay indoors. Um, we do venture out, and initially we weren't wearing masks, but now we are, just in case. Yeah. But people aren't. Um, I saw the, uh, the UPS guys not wearing anything. Uh, okay. FedEx guys not wearing anything. Now, each one of these, between the Postal Service, FedEx, and UPS, they all handle their, their packages differently. 
So when you mentioned at one point, and I think it's pre-show, we were talking about the anthrax a bunch of years back, packages being sent. So when you start having a problem, you have to go through like the process of how we're going to combat that. And I believe the combating was high heat or microwaving, um, all, all mail and packages coming through. You know, just heating up the outside of the boxes or inside to kill whatever's in there, if there is um, okay. a powder or whatever. So in theory and practice, they should have had that in place but we're talking about government when right. you talk about the post office so i doubt they were going through that process well it, here, yeah yeah and brian here's another thing you know so the postal carrier comes up to our house takes mail that i might have put out five minutes before that plus it's right. you know the metal cover and then you know with their hands coming back touching the steering wheel and in you know the other mail so so even if there was a process of decontaminating the mail, this person immediately has contaminated themselves. Yep. And we had up up the road from us, one of our neighbors came back from a hot zone uh, with the family. They notified us they had to be quarantined for 14 days and members of families that they were with had tested positive for COVID-19, although didn't manifest severe symptoms. But right. nothing outside the home. Like, there's no sign saying this is a quarantine home. So they could order a pizza, and pe the pizza place could come and knock on the door and deliver yeah. the pizza and be like, and, ha and, and yet, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading on the news last night, you know, there are some, you know, politicians who said people should have to wear, you know, a, oh. a badge that says they, they have immunity. That got me they, mad. They've tested, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking, you know, World War II uh, Jews at some point, you know, this, yeah. this philosophy. And I'm thinking, holy Christ. I mean, um, this, this is so, so face validity. Um, yeah. It, it, I, and recently what I've also seen is like the park down from us where our kids go, it's all roped off in yellow tape, like a crime scene. And there's a sign right. and, you know, uh, and they've taken down the basketball hoops. They've unscrewed those um, Walmart. Now you can only go in one entrance and they limit the people in and, and now as of yesterday, they assigned someone to clean the cart. <laughs> so they actually did a really thorough job, but I get this thing. It's like been out in a rainstorm. It feels like, cause everything is right. still like disinfected and I've got my own processes, but, but, um, <laughs> but as we, you know, as, as we talk about the face validity thing, um, the postal, that part, I, I I have a hard time trying to to make sense of that because by now I would think that organization or even locally they'd say put gloves on or wipe stuff down or like so how so this is this this doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make right. sense to me also that on um, all of all of the schools around here they started to scramble to give lunches to kids because a lot of kids that was that was the only meal that not the only meal that they received their lunch or breakfast at school but but they still have it on the news like at night one one parent comes out or volunteer or whatever with gloves reaches inside the car gives the bag and all of that stuff goes back grabs another bag waits for the next car and i'm like the gloves aren't being changed here and you're entering the car and this person really doesn't have any protective gear so right. how the the this fatiguing and you know i understand this is all fast but there is this <laughs> weird rollout of of this narrative um and though again those are just just some of the things um that that I'm seeing that really have me question <laughs> if this was uh, 
a great pandemic. They would a great, be, a great pandemic. A great right? pandemic. We would all be shut down. Um, all of these people would have these directives, uh, especially the yeah. government agencies. And even if you didn't change your your gloves, if you're postal, you'd have gloves, right? I mean, I just well, how the hell does that not happen? Here's the thing. So, so like any government agency, um, even in the military, they do this. A lot of these employees have to buy their own products. So, and a lot of people don't have that kind of money to spend on gloves and whatever, or you know, they get complacent and lazy in their process, and they forget. Um, until you really experience something horrifying or something, you know, where you need to remember when you should be remembering automatically, that's, that's what takes place. So with, with the post office, uh, we have different people now in, in my apartment building coming in to do the mail. And okay. one person the other day was wearing a mask and gloves. Uh, the day before that, or two days before that, the, it seems that they're putting gloves on more often but here's the thing like so they put the gloves on they're playing around with the mail right they're carrying the gloves they put their coat back on so now their gloves went through their coat okay you, you know what i'm saying right 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 and, and and now everything's freaking contaminated yes um but here's also another problem this is a very big component of this problem is that the stuff that we would need to combat this virus properly like lysol um which kills it immediately, it, it really does kill this virus immediately, COVID, uh, COVID. Um, it's not around anymore. So, no. I mean, you would literally want to, as if I was working as an employee for the postal service, I'd want to have a can of Lysol with me 24 seven and literally spray me down. And I know it's a poison, but I'll tell you what, um, I use a uh, permethrin, which uh, when I go to the woods on investigations, because yeah. I don't want to get bit by a tick. Right. Okay. It's, it's, it's really bad. I mean, it kills cats instantaneously for the most part. Um, and it's supposed to kill ticks and it's poison. And I've literally put it on my bare skin at certain points. They actually use it for scurvy, but that's a different stuff. Sure. So, and my, my buddy's like, and I'm putting like 99% deed or hundred percent deed right. on. And he's like, dude, that's so bad for you. And I'm like, you know what? A tick bite actually is worse for me or anybody than a deep for an hour or two. Right. Um, you know what? Eventually we're all going to die. Yes. And if it's so be at the deep, as long as I didn't get Lyme disease, which is really bad. Um, I'm all right with it. Uh, that type of thing. Sorry about that. I'm using, by the way, I'm using a handheld type of thing to hold my camera. Uh, cause I'm in weird places. I'm just trying to get, you know, out of the way of my family, family duties. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. No, no, it's, <laughs> but, it's you good. know, going back to the process of handling what should be done in the post office, now they're kind of now that more and more post employees are succumbing to this virus or testing positive because yes. now we have more tests. Um, and um, so now there's being quarantines in these areas. Now people are really taking a little more seriously. They're wearing a mask. Some of them have gloves. But, you know, when you're going through your process and you just don't remember and you just touch in your face and, you know, like you just saw me. I mean, I coughed. I'm, I have a smoker's cough. You know, I smoked. Um, and uh, which I want to stop, but um, uh, long, long before this happened. But, you know, you just don't remember. <clears throat> I normally actually, if you see me coughing, I'll go into my shirt. Okay. I don't go into my armpit. I go into my shirt, to get it away from everybody, uh, really covering it up. I'm a lot more considerate than most people are these days. And, um, and, and they're now taking a little bit more precautions. I can't attest to how FedEx handles their packaging. Because they may actually, the reason why the FedEx guy may be throwing stuff around is because they're actually cleansing it somehow. 
sure. uh, high UV lighting, uh, put it on a conveyor belt, right? Those who high UV lighting, it's probably being scanned anyhow before getting on their planes and their, sure. pa- you know, whatever. So they may be doing a lot more for it. UPS, probably not so much. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're I, I think, you know, I don't know why people wouldn't care. I mean, the uh, rumor has it that uh, the virus could last for like 72 hours, someone said, or 48, one of those numbers on the packaging. Right. Um, I used to order a lot of stuff from China through uh, an app on my phone, which is uh, Geek. And great, great, great pricing, great products. And I get these bricks that come in and they were like, they were like these little squares or, or semi big squares in that yellow tape. It looked like I was buying like a kilo of China, right. white, you know, I'm like, what, what am I buying here? You know, but you know, you get, you get all these, the same stuff you're buying on Amazon, you get pennies on the dollars so you right. buy through them. And it was, it was, it's great. You know, I've cut that off because anything that comes in now, I've been doing this for months already. I'm spraying down. I used to spray with Lysol, but Lysol is not plentiful. I'm still trying to find some. Yeah. So we do a bleach water you know, mix, and we're spraying everything. And I'm like, by the time this is over, we're all going to have really bad haircuts yes. and, our, and bleached clothing. There's going to be spots everywhere. Right. It's going to be like, so you know, we're just going to come out of this misery like, what the hell happened to this guy? Um, you know, I did my own hair recently. My kids were like, my God, dad's shaving his head. I'm like, no, just just the sides a little you bit. Know, I, you I, know. I got a haircut on uh, March 12th, and uh, I think it was like the, the day before they shut things down. So I'm still hanging in there. But, yeah, at some point, it's, good. it's getting. Well, it's you know, I have here the clippers and, here that I use for the beard, yeah. you know, to line it out. And I figured, you know, if it goes, this is the time that if you ever wanted to, like, shave your head. Yeah. You know, I kind of look like John Candy in stripes if I shave my head. You know what I'm saying? You know? You know? It's like sitting like, in and out of Wisconsin. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Yeah. It's Czechoslovakia. We're going to go out. It's not like it's Wisconsin. Um, so, you know, uh. there's certain things you can do. You know, um, I'm going to, Ron and I are going to be doing a show later uh, on the day we, we, we've, you and I recorded this. Because... You know, for a long time, it's very stressful, this whole situation. You know, we're going through this phase validity. Like, why aren't the police using? I don't see police. We, we had that problem initially. Yeah. But there was very few police officers around. But they're suffering in droves of, from, from quarant- you know, quarantine and people getting this yes. virus. Yeah. And, you know, part of that is the cops use gloves, but they don't put masks on. Right. You know, so, and then I've seen a couple recently that have, some kind of protective gear on. Um, I, I have, you know, it's very quiet for New York, New York City. Normally, I'm near a, a, a roadway where there's a lot of traffic, always jammed up. It's unnervingly quiet. It's 9-11 quiet. Okay. And... Well, you, you had, you had the leaf blower guys, right? Didn't, didn't, one yeah. That, you, well, you went outside and some, and that was kind of some normalcy to, to well, for you, you, right? You can, you can hear the leaf, you hear this, <laughs> and you're like, what the hell's, you know, and you're thinking maybe it's a drone or whatever. Like, right. no, it's, and I'm looking outside and they're the, the, the guys that are from Ecuador or whatever, you know, Latin America that work for these, these uh, people that do the, the, the lawns and they're leaf blowing. And my wife is like, oh, that's so annoying. You know, they, they should be inside. We're supposed to be home. And I'm like, it's kind of refreshing. It kind of seems like yeah. there's a little bit of normalcy coming back um, because you're hearing that noise. They're out there. But technically, they are social distancing. They're individually doing something elsewhere. You know, right. the leaf blower is blowing leaves. The, the one guy's, you know, scooping them up. And it, 
it's it's good. I, I mean, I kind of like certain things. I start hearing, you know, uh, when I I'm hearing a lot more traffic now than I ever did before, right. and it does pick up. But I can't tell you if it's we're on the road back to that. You know, it's still unnervingly low. And, and, and you were saying, Brian, also, um, mm-hmm. when you went out to stores, people now are very attentive to social distancing. So if they oh, see yeah. you, they're like, okay, I'm getting my six feet away. Not that they're um, mean or anything like that, but it's immediately this, I'm, I'm six feet away from you. And, uh, and not really making a lot of contact because I don't want to start a conversation that might bring us you know, closer together. So, so <laughs> one of my lovely gifts and abilities that gets me in a lot of trouble, but also a lot of laughs is I could probably make fun of any situation at any time. I could crack a joke at a funeral and not have a problem with it. You know, and, you know, I just see, I see the co- comedic side of everything. Yeah. And when you, <laughs> when we used to, we were walking, we'd go out for walks initially to the local near the park. We'd see the people in the park. There'd be people in the playgrounds, idiots, people playing on the basketball court, idiots, you know, and we would just be walking around the neighborhood. Just give the kids exercise. They don't normally get it. They're lazy. You know, it's it's just oh, kids sure. are just freaking lazy today. So what I notice is as you, you know, like if I'm on the right side and I'm walking or if someone's on the right side and I, I move to the right side of walk, they you can see the terror in their faces, some people. They freak out and then they kind of like, they either just stop in their tracks like a deer on a highway or they quickly move to the other side of the street and they jerk. And I'm like, it looked like a giant talking heads video, you yeah, know, yeah. like, how did I get here? You know? And I'm like, it's like a giant talking heads video. And I, and, and I, at one point I put on music and I put on the talking heads. I'm like, this is perfect. I'm, I'm witnessing this. So you're seeing a bunch of people that are just really working to stay the hell away from everybody. And then we came across a guy in my building who's probably 10 years my senior. Okay. 10 to 20. 12 years my senior. I, I've known his wife. We grew up in the building together. And I said, hey, how are you? You know, we kind of struck up. A, he was so eager for that interaction. Yeah, yeah. It's like a thirst. It's like being in the desert. And he wanted so much more of it. And I wanted to kind of keep moving. And he's kind of getting uh, closer. And not that I'm concerned. I don't think he is. You know, he's older. He doesn't look sick. We just start talking and he wanted to talk and talk and talk and talk. And, you yeah. know, and eventually I like, I want to keep moving. I want to keep these kids. I don't want my youngest like sitting on a bench or, or right. Don't touch anything. Right. Because you don't know who's spitting and who's doing stupid things. Right. But I, I noticed there are so many people that are so missing that intimacy of a conversation or, um, you know, that human touch. You know, it's like, I've got, a I got a lot of people, you know, this, I, I think when this is all over and and the social distancing, which I think will be there initially, I'm I'm going to be hugging a lot of people, which is going to be weird because sure. I'm not I'm not a standoffish person. I mean, like I can be very very warm, but I think you know like, it's good to see you. That type of hug is like God. It's really good to see you. Type of hug. Yeah. Um, you miss those moments. It's it's like when you lose a parent or or you know, somebody really close and, and you can't, you can't get that hug from them anymore. You miss it. And if you got the opportunity now, which I think is a good byproduct of this to realize how important it is to be nice to people and kinder. And I'm noticing it's being nicer people and kinder, except for the people that are so scared about this situation that they like the the governor, I forgot who it was, a mayor of LA, just snitch them out. We'll pay you. 
And that is really a playbook that's out of the, the communist manifesto yeah. playbook. Yeah. Let's, it's let's like, what kind of society is it that, that we're going to snitch on these people because they're there. I got to be brutally honest. It's going to be cold. I just want to say it's right. before you, if these people are stupid enough to be playing basketball and hanging out that close and doing whatever, and they get the disease, they're going to die. And that means that there's less oxygen grabbing people in this planet. It's called natural selection, or for some of those people like it, the Darwin Award. Right. Because you, you know better, you should be doing the right thing, but I'm, I'm fine with them. If they're going to die, they're going to die. See ya. I'm good. Why are you so worried about it? Because frankly, the police aren't going to break them up. They've got other things to deal with. Right. A must read for parents, teachers, and taxpayers. Dr. David Perodin has written the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industrial complex. Attorney James Sibley proclaims, A brave demonstration of speaking truth to power. School of Errors rips the lid off the billion-dollar school safety industry. Using real-world examples of successful responses in desperate situations, David contrasts the expensive window dressings pitched to panic parents with the inexpensive and effective approaches proven to actually work. Read this book before you let your school waste another precious dollar on meaningless safety theater. Buy the international bestseller, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, now at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. That's, that's, and that's something, too. So I started to observe different um, cities and counties putting up websites. And this was maybe, you know, March 22nd through 25th-ish. Yeah, right. I, I took a little video snippets, um, you know, online screen captures. But there were a few things there that, that caught my attention. And one was, who's making the decision from up above um, in the administrative ranks of saying to the tech people, put together this website. For example, Bellevue, Washington had a site where they had a Google map and you could actually zoom in on satellite to figure out who was, you know, here's yeah. this large group. And then you, you drag that over into a area. So then it, it populates and says, here's where it was. You write a description and then you can upload photos. So all of this I'm looking at, and I talked to a couple tech friends. I'm like, how, how long would it take to build this? And they're like, it'd take a while to actually do this in the photo part. And there'd have to be some consideration of legal because now it's right. a gov site. And if you're submitting photos and like, how do you know the photos are authentic? And so anyway, but I'm, I'm going through and saying, okay, but this is at the same time I'm looking at these websites. They, they don't have anything updated on where you can get supplies Anything, you know, are they changing their, their garbage and recycling processes? All of, all of these types of things that are pretty, people are asking questions, they want to know. They're doing this. And, and kind of like, you know, you're the same thing, Brian. I'm thinking they have depleted resources because people are self-quarantining. Um, and even in government, wouldn't you want to allocate your resources to, to more timely, important stuff? But, and are you really going to dispatch, uh, you know, police? Um, to one of these these areas, um, and, and the other thing, it, it kind of gets back to right the Stasi <laughs> mentality of, of of have your neighbor report, and you know, so are you basically now deputizing people in a sense of saying go out with your your cameras, your zoom lenses, your drones, get photos, and and here's another thing I saw, I was I started to see YouTubers 
go around while they're, you know, live channel, people are doing super chats and they're trying to find people and report them. So, but to me, like this, this heavy handed approach of, of putting these websites together and putting a lot of resources when resources are strained. And then also what would be your priority for allocating law enforcement? This would be really low. And I, and is this forensic? Also, does this come back in three months when this is over and saying this was reported on this date so maybe it's a warning you get, but then where does that warning stay? Um, or if right. I, I'm just like, what the hell? <coughs> and, and, and for the most part, Brian, most people were compliant. Like most people are doing what they need to do. We've, this is like saying, if you're driving down the, the highway and you've got a, you know, the, the camera in your right. car and someone passes you and they're, they're speeding, um, take a picture of their license and then report plate it. and submit it. And right. we wouldn't do that. So, so this stuff really I'm looking at this of saying, holy God, because, and this could be so manipulated. This like is this, dangerous. This is dangerous. It could destroy somebody. Um, and, and, you know, also then it's social shaming. What they're doing in Great Britain is they yeah. post this online. They post it. And then people are like, hey, we saw you posted on the news or on the website. And employers are coming out to people of saying, hey, you were at this park. Literally, someone was at a park watching a sunset and they zoomed in on them. And right. uh, they just underneath, they said, this is non-essential. And then people recognize the person and they weren't near anybody. But again, yep. you could, this could be separation from employment, yep. uh, you know, family shaming, social credit. So give me your take because I'm like, what the <coughs> hell is going on and, and how fast and how sophisticated we talk about, we can't get right. gloves on people. This, these systems are sophisticated. Yeah. This is very Orwellian. This is very scary. Um, like I said before, it's, it's a play, it's, it's out of the like communist manifesto. Um, and, and you were first mentioning resources It take, yeah, it does take a lot of resources and technology. I mean, I'm, I'm a technology guy, uh, to put websites together that are fairly sophisticated, but if you go on to a governmental level, um, they have this technology already in place. Um, and it's, I, I don't care what anybody says. I think it's illegal. And, and it's, it's a violation of constitutional rights. I agree. When you drive, you'll see the police cars with the uh, license plate readers on them. You have them on police cars in the back, two little boxes. Yep. Um, you have them on, on traffic signs. And they're, they're checking to see who's going where. And they're checking your license plate. Now, uh, last I checked, you're innocent until proven guilty, right? That's one. Two, you're not allowed to be, have any type of surveillance. Because if you didn't commit a crime, there's no reason for you to do that. So what they're doing is literally criminal, in my opinion. I yeah. understand. I have a lot of police officer friends and family, okay? and But, you know, it's like they have no right to be doing that. So that being, that being in place, um, they have the technology to use cameras to read your license plate and then get your information in a heartbeat, or whoever owns the car, basically. They also have in place, and they've been using it, and no one's mentioned this a while ago, but for the last about two, three years, um, I've heard a ton of stories of people being on planes and before they get on the plane on the jetway, they see police there with a German shepherd, you know, some kind of dog. Yes. And before they get on a plane, they have to put this in and look in through a retina scanner before they're allowed on a plane. Okay. That's a violation of your rights right off right. the bat. But, but you know, when you're, when you're in a rush to get to a business meeting, you don't have a lawyer with you and you can't fight the case. You need to get on the plane to get to the meeting, right? Right, right. So you, you forgive your right, you know, you submit your, your rights to it. 
uh, unless you're some people that'll say, well, hell that I'm not going, you know, and you explain to them why, but you, then you lose business. It's a whole economic thing. Completely. They've been, they've been using technology for the longest time, even in New York, London uses it all the time. Facial recognition, the government, no, no matter who you are, what side of the fence you're on, they want to know what you are doing, why you're doing it, what you're spending, everything about you, because they want, they're abusing their power and privilege. And that's exactly what's taking place here with these websites. That's why, it, you know, when you said there's an expense and using some resources, they're, they already have this. All they're doing is hooking it in and using a back end yeah. and fixing one app, you know, one applet of, of a program to do this. And I, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because as I looked across these different sites in completely different areas of the country from county to city, they were somewhat similar, right? The yep. design wasn't that different. So I'm like, yeah, this, this is, this isn't some organic project no. that they assigned to somebody. This has been there. It, it, you're right. And so, so give me your thought on this. So um, <laughs> cell phone, cell phone tracking, just tracking in general, you know, people, um, Right, right now. So, anyway, I have two stories on this, and one is, you know, obviously the spring breakers who wouldn't get off the beach, right. and, and now we find out that their phones are tracked. But we already knew that uh, Israel was was tracking phones early in the COVID outbreak, right? right? That they were, and they were making overt. They're telling people, "We know where you're at all the time with your phone." Um, and but anyway, anyway, um. Again, I was talking to somebody who was who was quarantined, and when they were quarantined, the county health person told them, um, "We we are going to trace the people that you were in contact with." And and then this person who's quarantined said, "Well, do I have to give you something?" I said, "No, <laughs> we have all the information from your phone and your your GPS and your vehicle and other things." So there was like no consent to give it, and it was just saying. Um, you know, we're, we're going to find out people that you were, I mean, it, so, right. I, so I'm looking, so let me, let me tell you a little bit about my, so school safety, right? So that's, that's my kind of my big gig school safety. Uh, about, I think it was 78 years ago in California, um, a couple districts participated in a pilot project where um, researchers went to parents and said, listen, we will, um, we want to RFID track your kids. We, we want, we, we want to know where they're at at all times at, for school safety, right? Because if there's an right. active shooter or, or if they get lost, they wander away, student with autism, we know where they're at. Yeah. So, and, and most of the parents complied. Most were like, okay, makes the argument makes sense. And it, it was like a bracelet. It wasn't invasive, but, and these kids, kids wore, and they were young, like kindergarten, first grade. And um, I, I started to, as I, as I wrote more about school safety, and I talk to more people, I'm pretty convinced, like, if, if, if districts went to parents and said, listen, we're, we, we want to chip your kids. We want to put a, a chip in them in for school safety, right? Because then we always know where they're at. If there's a lockdown, we know where they're at. If they're injured, we can get resources that can cross-reference to a medical record, which, I mean, all this stuff they could argue, right? right. And just put out there. And it would sound really great. Like, yeah, that's, that's awesome if my kid. Um, and the thing is, most most parents actually go for that. There isn't pushback. And I, I've worked with districts where I've been like, <coughs> oh, my God, like even having this discussion, like they are just going to rip people apart. And they're like, no, 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 no. That it's, so it's this whole convincing people, right? This is this is for your good. 
So I, I was going through this phone argument, and and let me know if you think I'm I'm on it. But here's here's how I think you make the argument for people just with their phones of saying, listen, if you have a cell phone, it's now always going to be tracked, always, which it probably it is anyway. But like we're just going to overtly say it's tracked, and maybe and here's the reason. One is we're going to let you know when you get near hot zones, if there's a flu or pandemic or something, which they do right now right. in Pittsburgh. Like my friend in Pittsburgh for the last couple of weeks gets on his phone, a, a global information GIS map. As he gets closer to actual houses on blocks, it will say like, don't go here, like use a different route, talk about invasive. But so people say like, here, uh, government would say, we're going to keep you out of areas. The other part is if, if we're going to let you know, if you cross paths with somebody, you know, at, at a, at a meeting, at a conference, at some venue, and if you need to get checked out. And the other part is um, we're going to, if people have to be quarantined, we're going to monitor and make sure they're not leaving their house. So all of these things are external. You're like, yeah, like I, I, I mean, a lot of people, I'm not me, but I mean, a lot of people though would be like, yeah, that, that's good. You're going to, you're looking out for me, that person that's not following the rules that they're going out in, you know, three times a day. Yeah, they should be busted. So. But I'm like, so I can see the argument already already forming. And then um, I, I was breaking it down further. And one of my friends, and this is when it really hit me, Brian. This is when it really hit me. So about a week ago, one of my friends who's a caver, so he explores caves and right. stuff like that. And he's, he's going over his equipment. We're, we're not talking about kind of this. And, and he just got this new heat gun. So he, he, he aims it down into a cave. Because I, I had a question. I'm like, how do you know how hot it is or like what the oxygen levels? Because like, you know, in a cave, he goes, oh, shit, here's this device. Like, it's like, you know, a yep. hundred bucks. Takes, you know, double A batteries. He, it, it, he shoots it down into a cave and it's like, here's the temperature. Here's the oxygen level. Here's the other stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. So all, all a society would need is a small, tiny RFID number. If everybody had a number all of this environmental stuff could be, and it probably could be everywhere. It could be as you walk in and out of stores, post office, as a drone flies overhead. Um, you know, all it would have to do is identify your number and it could immediately say, here's your temperature. Here's where you've been. Here's yep. all of this. And so you don't need this to be any more than a number. This doesn't have to be some transmitting computer. It doesn't have to ever be updated because all of that will always be in the environment. And it's like, it's like what my friend was saying He's like, oh, hell, Dave. Yeah, I could tell your temperature from 300 yards away within yeah. whatever accuracy. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin. And the Safety Doc Podcast. And so, I'm by the a, way, they yeah. know you're coming to an airport when you're two miles away from it. 
Oh my God. So, so tell me, I mean, you've studied this, you know about this, but I'm, I'm looking at this and saying right now, because the Patriot Act after 9-11, you know, changed, changed, shifted the social contract, but there's the social contract right. right now is a government coming out in a couple months and putting together a revised Patriot Act or even what they tell us or what they don't. But I think what I described would be, first of all, it's technically completely plausible and feasible, but it's also something where you could spin it and get most people on board and just silence the people who would, you know, well, if you're a critic yeah. of it, why the hell are you critical of this? This saves lives. This could save your life or your family. That shuts people down pretty fast. So, so here's the thing, right? So um, the concept of being able to do this to warn people and help them out is great. It's wonderful. And it, that'd be fantastic if we lived in um, fantasy land. <laughs> right. <laughs> As to quote, the, right. what's his name? Rodney Dangerfield in back to school. <laughs> what are we building in fantasy land? Because, you know, the, there's ulterior motives with all this information. Uh, data is huge. So here's the thing. So like when you have the guy who's in Pittsburgh and he's driving by a house and they said it's a hotspot, how reliable is that information? What if those people were just people that the guy who controls the board doesn't like? Right. And he says, well, you know what? You always, you know, you, you throw crap on my lawn, you, whatever. So now I'm going to make your place a hotspot. So there it is. It's out there. It's a hotspot. How do they know that when, you know, someone who's doesn't exercise or whatever is running you to get to some place? And all of a sudden, you know, one minute they were at one spot and they got checked and they were 96.5. And by the time they got to the, the other spot, they were close to approaching a 99 point something because they were running and expending energy, whatever it is. See, there's too much, uh, if you're weighing data, there's too much of the tails that are just don't, don't work. Right. Um, so it's, it's not a reliable source. Um, yeah, everybody's being tracked by their cell phone. Even if you shut it off, it's being tracked. Uh, it's kind of like a ways for humans, but you can't do that because in this country we have something called the Constitution, and people can't be tracked because it's surveillance and it violates your constitutional rights. Yeah. And you know what? Um, believe it or not, that's that's bigger or better than than actually tracking people. Um, the government wants to track you. Government wants to go from cash to electronic transactions so they can get all the information so they get paid. Right. Okay. Right. They don't want you doing things on the side and private right. and everything that you see in government, no matter what side, again, on the fence you are is to make sure they know what you're doing and say no, yes or no. Who's, who's the person that's being the parent here and telling me as a human being what I should and shouldn't like to do. It's kind of like someone put up a meme about, you know, um, they used to give people who I'm a, I don't have any firearms because I, I live in New York city. It's kind of hard. Um, if I don't live in New York city, I would definitely get them and I love to go shooting and, and skeet and trap, but I don't have it. Right. Right. So all these people, you don't need the gun. You don't need that many bullets. Right. That's their me methodology on everything. Why do you need so many bullets? You know, your gun can take five bullets and it's fine, you know, because people don't, they're not into that. That's not their thing. And someone put a mean of like, why do you need all that toilet paper? Right. You know, you only need a couple of rolls, right? So it's right. like, it's, it's, it's your choice. It's what you're into. And as long as you're not hurting or harming anybody, I don't care about the guy that has a collection of weapons down the street and ammo for him. And, you know, it's, it's oh, it's a whole cache. He's a collector of those things. Right. I know people collect guitars. You know, and, and people collect wives. <laughs> you know, right. there's, there's a lot of really weird things out there. 
who, why is it the government determining what you should and shouldn't be doing? It's not their job. So it's not their job. Their job is, is to make sure that you have the ability to, um, exercise your freedoms and rights, right. make your money, and then they get a little taste of it. But these people keep stepping over the lines. It's with the Patriot Act, which I can't stand that. It's not patriotic whatsoever. Right. It is an absolute, and I've got my one of my best friends on the planet. He's like a brother to me. He works in that industry, and I complain about it because it's not patriotic. Spying on Americans is not patriotic. If you did your job properly and didn't let the damn people in the country we wouldn't have this problem. So now we're paying for their mistakes again. When we bail out the banks, we're paying for their mistakes again. Right. Right. And in this situation, you know, if you, if you listen to some of the rumors, and it's, it's true, the number one proponent for vaccinating people in this country is Bill Gates. He wants to vaccinate everybody. Yeah. Vaccines, vaccines. Now, listen, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, okay? But what I, I don't think... The small child should have MMR in one shot. I think it's way too much. My doctor was pissed, but we made them break it up. And they well, they have to get more shots. You know what? So let it be. So she, instead of getting one shot, she's getting six. Right. You know, or two shots, she's getting six. Right. I, I think she could handle it. I have no doubt in my mind, and this is where it's crazy. This is what this guy was talking about. I forgot where it was. The head of the um, Fed uh, in one of the areas, St. Louis, I think it was. Okay. They're going to put a chip in this vaccine. These vaccines are coming out, and they're going to come out fast. Never been tested, never been researched, none of that stuff. Right. Right? And they're going to have people lining up like it's they're giving out candy. They're going to put a digital something into this vaccine, whether you like it or not, and you've just submitted to being tracked and trailed, and that's how they get the social contract going again, like they did in China. So we, we are leaning more and more towards that communist Marxist type of Orwellian society. And we don't have to, you know, I'm not going to get again, politically, right. but I right. do appreciate that the president, you know, charged his team on this task force and the people around them. What do we have right now that will do something? Right. And they came up with, with something that I know people that doctors and they're saying, it's working. It, and, and let me tell you, I, I posted something and said it was 100% effective. And I'm going to stand by that because it's not curing everything. But if you are not on a ventilator, it's 100% effective. Because the minute you go on a ventilator, yeah. you go 50% odds of living. And, okay? and Brian, you know, the other part is, right? So we know thousands of physicians have written orders for themselves and their family for yep. these these uh, medications. So when you look at that, um, you know, there's a face validity there of saying, well, if, <laughs> if they're doing this, you know, they, why, why are they doing this? I mean, um, it, it, so I want to go back to, sure. you know, government tracking, you know, it, it's been very overt now with, you know, cell phones and things. And, and I do think it's just a matter of time, um, you know, for, for chipping. I mean, it's just it, in some, what companies already do that they offer yeah. employees, but where's mandatory. But the other part of this is, um, the selling of information, you know, USPS, the department of motor vehicles. So, um, I, I, I talked with uh, trip Elix, who is a security analyst and, and trip just, just, uh, last night and trip was saying, 
um, you know, there you can go and, and buy all of these data sets and it can it'll break yeah. it down into, you know, like male this age votes this kids at home. This is a TV shows they like to watch and all of this. And that so there's a part of this I'm thinking, um, you know, th- this is this is all marketing, right? This is huge money that's coming between in, in this exchange of service between Facebook and Google and all of these other companies with with the government then to collect this data. So, so maybe this is this whole part, because part of me, it's like, what, what is the government really, what is their incentive to know where I'm at versus if that incentive is important to someone who can market to me, because if they know where I'm at, they can tailor ads and and refine things to products and things like this, that they become much more efficient. And in turn, there's a exchange of money whatever with with the government yeah well what i was going to go with this with this whole thing is one of the things you forgot to talk about is the fact that um they like to get you to release your rights over your life and and give out vital information they don't have more information than you should be sharing um it's 23andme and uh, ancestry.com okay now i find it appealing i'd love to learn where my ancestry comes from and you know whatever Right. But a long ago, I thought like, well, if they know, if they have my DNA, right. Right. Everything about you and your history between your parents, they gave, you know, created you and their parents and their parents, and their parents. Right. So with this DNA and again, there's good sides to it, too, but it's never going to be used for good. What they doing is they're selling all this information and they're not just giving the fact that half your family came from Ireland. They right. know who's what what cancers you're predisposed to yes what diseases what traits what every x y and z that goes on with your life right so just imagine that you don't have cancer whatsoever right but you go out and uh your insurance company buys it and says oh no you got to pay a thousand dollars more a month exactly you're predisposed to cancer exactly yeah. It, now, it, now in, in all fairness, if you think about it, if you're predisposed to being that, that, you know, you probably should, but it's not that you knew about it either. You weren't hiding right. anything right. and it's none of their business. Right. So this is where we get into that. It's a black and white area. It's it, not even gray. It is. It, and we it know that shouldn't be done. <laughs> you know, the data can't be, the data sets aren't protected, right? All the time we're notified, oh, your data was compromised off of whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and now, you know, change your password or we'll send you $200. But, but you know, what if we have, so, so what if through, you know, the access of information of, of yeah, these genetic things, 23andMe and all of that, um, suddenly um, they find out that there is a genetic uh, predisposition for the coronavirus, right? And so yep. we have a second wave in fall. And just as this starts up, people get contacted and say, you're in quarantine. And while the rest of society is going in, suddenly you could have people in quarantines for months. I mean, well, yeah. is it, it's not only that, it could be all these other things that suddenly, you know, it spikes up and you get notified um, or, or also it, it restricts your travel, right? Because you can't right. go this. It, and yeah, it, it, the invasiveness. And I, Brian, when I saw this stuff on TV, I'm like, oh man, like I'm not that interested in learning about where I where I originated from. But I'm like, I would not want to give this information willingly out to somebody in a database. There's no way in hell I would want to do that. Um, you know, 
Yeah. If if you if you if they knew that you were predisposed to this, and they said, look, from the months, the, whatever, if we we're going to alert people who are predisposed, and we're going to tell them to stay home or take more protective measures, maybe you go out with the gloves and, and yes. the mask on, or something, something like that. You know, that, that would be great and helpful, right? Because not only you're protecting them, you're protecting the people around them. Right. Okay. But the bottom line is, unless that person's not going to get uh, hammered by their job for for not being in there, or there's yes. you know, there's no benefit for them. They have to get up and work. We all have to get up and work. My business is done because I do promotional stuff, and no one's doing parties or, or, or you know printing stuff up. So, but th- this is a problem. So you know, the, there's a lot of good that can come from this, but good never comes from it. I'm sorry to say, it. it's not being cynical. It's a fact. They abuse this. They abuse this information. They sell it. They don't give a damn about you or whatever. There was a great. Someone put a, a meme of uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi goes, I got my check. I don't give a damn about yours. And it's the truth. And if you want to look at that bill that was passed for what it was, I forgot, was it a trillion? It was a trillion dollar, another trillion dollar bill? Yeah. Whatever it was, they were, there were people in that bill. I'm just giving you an example. So all these other things they put in there, they put this Green New Deal stuff in there yes. about yeah. hiring people. Right. They put this stuff. And the bottom line, what was passed was in one of the things, there were certain instances that were getting um, that were getting. I sorry, I call comes in. I gotta go grab. Yeah, <laughs> there was a certain times in there where um, the Kennedy Center, Art Center, right? right? They were having a problem because you know no one's going there, whatever. So they were given. They wanted fifty million dollars to give them. The Kennedy Art Center. We have a pandemic out here. People that are all unemployed. That you know, ten million people in unemployment, and you want to give fifty million dollars to the Kennedy Art Center, right? That's stupid to begin with. But what happened was they didn't they didn't, didn't give them 50. They gave them 25 million, right? And that was supposed to cover the expenses for their musicians. Yes. You know, yes. Operating. Yeah. They immediately fired everybody. And they turned around and gave $5 million donations to the DNC. Wow. And if you're following me here, you know what that's called? It's called money laundering. Yeah. The Democrats money laundered money, took it from the American people on this point, and money learned back to themselves to, to, to their war chest. Yeah, and that's the as political as I'm going to get. Just think about this concept. And it, whether it was, if the Democrats did it, if the Republicans, it's money laundering, and it has no bearing on your safety or my safety or our health and well-being. What should have been in that bill was we're giving X Y Z to hospitals, to the military, right. to everybody, everybody, right? No matter what your payment is, everybody gets a twelve hundred dollar check. Everybody. Nope. Didn't happen that way. Uh, all the senators, congressmen got like a forty thousand dollar increase in their payment. I you know, the salary. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And it, it, and and going back to one more yeah. thing that's very important when you talk about government getting involved in things. Okay, after the, I, I was in Canada when the Katrina thing happened in Louisiana, and I was embarrassed by our government how they handled it. Okay, and then they come around years later because they 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 basically kill people, they let them die. Um, no matter what side of the tracks are, uh, or how much money or whatever, that was uh, disgusting. We're America. We shouldn't be doing this. We should add like everybody in there, get them out, and right. you know. Right. Fast forward, uh, of what they call Obamacare, the Healthcare Act. Right. Everybody wants healthcare. We need healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. Right. They want the socialized medicine, which is killing everybody in Europe right now because of socialized medicine. Right. But the first law passed that these people, these lawmakers passed that we put in office be it Republican or Democrat, and I think it was unanimous, was we're exempt from this. 
Okay. What does that tell you yeah. as a citizen? They're exempt from this, but you have to do it. Right. When it should have been, we're going to be the first ones to have it, and then you'll get it. Right. That's what, that, that's what needs to happen. As long as these people that are making the laws are first and foremost bound by those laws, and until that happens, I'm not giving any of my rights up. And I'm yep. not getting the vaccine. And I, you know what? I don't know what's going to become of it at that point. But no, well, I'm not putting my hands in that. Let's, um, so, you know, what becomes of it? So let's move, let's move kind of into to sure. the last segment because I think this is a great lead in. Um, so China has had a social credit score <laughs> for a year. Japan has had a social credit score, um, you know, largely for a year. It's through their biggest social media um, app, which is called Line. But anyway, so a social credit score, just for people listening, um, how, how this works in China is if you, the most you can have is a thousand. So it, it's kind of right. like a credit score. But if I have a thousand, that means, um, you know, I, I'm not a criminal. I'm helping, uh, the, you know, elderly people. I, I'm doing a lot of things to add value per whatever the subjective authority is identifying yeah. that. And, um, and then I get additional rights, you know, like I, I get... Um, you know, privileged transportation, more access to government programs and things like basically you get moved to the front of the line. And then if you get below that, you start to lose things. And then also there's a weird twist in that. So if I have a relative who is, you know, run-ins with the law, isn't paying taxes or things like that. Um, and I'm, I have to overtly disassociate with that person to keep my score high. So, so there's all these weird controlling mechanisms that came into place in 2019. And, and so I, I, I think we are racing toward this right now, especially with, so, it, I mean, one of the things right away, Brian, it wouldn't be hard to say in these, these communities where they have the websites, you can report people. If you do this, this will give you some social credit score or, you know, some, some points of you've done something to help out the cause. So I'm looking at this and saying, um, how, what's your perception on where we are right now as maybe America, Western society moving toward a social credit score, what the coronavirus um, does to accelerate that, um, what we should be looking for, how that's going to impact us. Because I'm like, shit, this is, to me, this, again, and it, it gives me something you can sell to people because you can say, listen, we, we, we're protecting you because we're, this is going to impact the people who aren't following the rules. It's going to be coercive and, and people don't realize, no, it's going to, it's going to impact all of us. Right. Um, it's it's so. pretty scary. It's, it's actually, see, well, when you, you can't compare China to Japan because um, there's certain type in Japan, there's a lot of honor to doing the right thing. There's, Absolutely. Like, like, for the example, when, when Fukushima took place, right? Yes. Um, what happened was a lot of the older citizens of China, I mean, of Japan, um, volunteered to go into the reactors and put it out at the fire because they've lived their life. Yeah. And they, and they said the young people need to get, you know, they sacrifice themselves for the, the younger generation. Right. And that's the type of society we're talking about. I mean, it's very, it's very stringent. We have, um, we have a large Japanese community community near me in, in Fort Lee, New, New York. And the whole honor society type of stuff, when you're not doing something that's honorable and the shaming of that is very, it's been in their society since the beginning, I believe. Okay. 
Um, we have a lot of the people that jump off the George Washington Bridge are Japanese. Okay. And there's a lot of suicides on that bridge. Yeah. Um, one of them that was very interesting is a uh, young Japanese kid went up to the bridge and he stood there. And I mean, I wouldn't jump off a bridge, but he jumped off the bridge. He lived. And okay. one of the, the paramedics, uh, one of the guys that, that picked him up EMS in my building, he brought him over to Columbia Hospital, which is right next to the bridge. They had him there. He lived. They released him seven days later. He walked, as soon as he came out of hospital, he walked right back to the bridge and jumped again. So that's a huge honor thing. It's, it's more shameful than anything. Gotcha. So having a social credit, and they're very much into the electronics, and it's part of their society anyhow in many ways okay. because of the honor code, you know, whether you're really honorable or you're, you know, so-so. Um, and then there's also honor among thieves. When you get into China, totally different ballgame. You're talking about a government that doesn't care about their people. They don't care. It's like like a union type of thing where you want to be on top of the totem pole. The higher you are to the top in that power bracket, like the head of a right. the country, the head right. of a different provinces and whatever, the more power you have and the more of the elite you are. The soldier is, is more important than the, than the citizen. I mean, we're talking about a nation that violates human rights 24-7. They sell body parts. Right, right. And they, they, they lie about everything, and they keep things deceived. And I'll still stand by it. They are number one with this COVID because we talk about social credit scores. Everybody in China needs their cell phone. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. They check it all the time, their health and whatever, and that's your lifeblood. That's the equivalent of keys, money, and everything. Right. Eating, whatever. You go out without your phone, you're dead. Okay, so at that point, why would 21 million cell phone users just go offline, be disconnected, right? Why would 840,000 home phones be disconnected? Right. If that's your lifeline, why? Because they're dead. They're either in prison or they're dead. Um, that's, that's two, right? And then there's a couple of satellites have been by and they still look, look like mass graves on fire, whatever. So China is a totally different animal, but... This whole idea and concept of the fact that you are going to be bound by some political party's notion or some individual's notion of what they think is right and wrong and what you should be doing for society versus not society, whether you get your, your, your food or be able to shop that day or not, I think it's sick. I mean, we, I think we are moving kind of towards that. And they recently just did something with the... Um, Patriot Act, reauthorizing some things. And from what I understand, there's new stuff in there. They're pushing us to those types of products, that social credit score, that snitching on your, your people. Um, and people get rewarded for it. They're going to keep doing it because they don't know better. Right. right. But what they're giving up is so important. Um, it's beyond belief. We see this in society, those people that have to have a YouTube channel they need that 15 minutes of fame. Well, after your 15 minutes of up, what are you going to do with the next 46 years of your time? Because no one, you know, right. they don't realize it. None of these people that are under 40, let's say, or whatever, or, or 30, 35, they don't know what the struggle is like. I see them protesting, and they're joining in these groups like Antifa and whatever, and like, you know, we need to do this and whatever. They wouldn't fight the big war. They would not be hitting no. the beaches at Normandy. No. They'd be like, I'm not going out there. And you know what? Well, what happened at that point is they'd be all shot dead because 
they don't realize what the struggle is to keep what you have here. You have here because people fight for the Constitution and your rights. Right. And you have the ability to say, no, I'm not going to tell you. And you're innocent until proven guilty. So we're getting into this gray area. And you're right. Like the Patriot was passed. And Chuck Schumer, uh, who's uh, in New York, who's a problem for, for everybody, he admitted like a couple of years ago, he never read it. He just signed it. Right. Are you kidding me? You're right. a lawyer. You're putting, I would never have signed that act because it violated every right we have. We could have generated enough energy off the spinning bodies of our founding fathers at that yeah. point yeah. to power the country for, yeah. for a millennia. So yeah. here's the problem, right? Yes, we have a virus out there. I personally think that if you take into consideration the, the pharmaceutical cocktail that they came up with, which from I'm getting information from doctors that I know and other doctors online, it, it works to clear the lungs and not have you come on a respirator, which means your body's fighting off the virus, which means you're going to be good. I think we'll be fine um, with any medicine. So there's going to be pluses and minuses of people that react differently to it. It's, it's a given. But I think all in all, this is the magic wand you wanted. Okay? But there are powers that be within our society that don't want this. They want to vaccinate you so they can tag and bag you, whether you know it or not. And it's a little conspiracy, but I think that's the way we're going to go with it. They, they put RFIDs in money. They put it in yes. your phone. The, yep. It's in clothing. It's, I yep. mean, Walmart's the biggest RFID, I think, producer or, 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 or user in the, in the globe. Right. You know, everything. They know at Walmart when, when a box comes in, it, or, it already adds to their inventory. They don't even have to go around and scan it. Yeah. Because everything has an RFID chip in it. And it's so small. You wouldn't even realize it. but. I mean, I tipped my dog at one point, you know, when I had the dog yeah. because I wanted to make sure he was okay. But would I chip my children? Maybe I would just because, you know, to keep an eye on them for me. Um, and I created a, an app that would track your kids. So you could put in, you could literally go to a map and your kids would have a chip in, either in them or on them. Right. right, right. And then you'd sit, show, draw the boundary yourself. And once they got to that boundary of like the playground, it beep, 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 and it alert them. You're getting too close to where you shouldn't be. Right. So you can keep an eye on them. It's, it was tracking for parents because, you know, first-time parent, you do everything. Like, oh, my God, I, I sure. need this and I need that. Second-time parent is like, he's eating off the floor again. Hey, it's okay. Right. You know? So I understand that's the good side of it. But And for me to track my child, I don't want the government tracking my child. Right. In New York State already, whether, whether you sign it off on it or not, they take your kid's DNA. Wow. They have a huge database of, of DNA for every child born. It's been like this for like decades. Why? You have no right to my child's DNA. Right. Why? Right. Right. It's it's the why. And, and, and you know, we step <laughs> it back and, and and all of a sudden, yeah, is there some, you know, genetic, you know, marker that, that leads to uh, a susceptibility, but whether that be the flu or whatever, but as you indicate it, this you could massively interfere and not only interfere but destroy people's lives you you, yep. you could shut them down for 3 months of a year and their employer could be like well i can't have you do this job when yep. you're quarantined um, now and and now you're starved now you're out of work and, now now you're beholden to the, the government for cheese and milk and whatever so now you're going to do whatever you want you know to, to get that stuff back to you right here's the cool part right so we're having this conversation right now we've had conversations before this is electronically uh, right. there's a signature to this okay right. here it is right so they know 
and everybody probably knows because they, they use face recognition or whatever. If you hit a nerve, if you say something that goes against something that's monetary, like big time monetary, or it's against the norm of, of what society is or political parties, they could just they could screw us left and right right now. They could they could say, oh, no, yeah. we're going to give you an audit or we're going to, you know, we're going to interrupt your, your Internet stream. I mean, the other day, um, one of the shows I watch on um, on YouTube is London Real. I don't know if you've seen this, but London Real interviewed David Icke for like four <laughs> hours. Now, Ike's really weird. Um, I, I'm not 100% behind Ike. He does have some things that are pretty interesting. And they got it pulled down from YouTube. Uh, with it, it had, like, the, one of the highest streams ever. That's I'm sorry about that. That's an ambulance going yeah, by sure. on the highway near me. Sure. Um, so it got one of the highest streams ever. It was second number uh, in the country at the time. They pulled it down, uh, violated community guidelines. Because David Icke was talking about how 5G – yeah. could be contributing to the vibe, whatever. And he's very controversial and he doesn't, you know, and then he also gets into, you know, reptilians. It's, this is where David goes, you know, uh, yeah, had me at the, you know, at right. that point. The point <laughs> is he didn't, this guy that, that, that runs it, uh, Brian, a uh, London real, he brings a lot of these things to there. He talks about ayahuasca and, and, you know, different type of things to think about it differently, right. which we should be expanding our horizons and our vibration, raising it into like, you know, you don't have to go to church to pray to God. God is everywhere. Sure. If you're a God believer, I am. I'm in a, I'm a, you know, so that goes against the, the control factor of the church. Oh, no, 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 no. You have to come and do confession. No, I don't. I can confess to God and I'll go, go directly to the source. Right. So he was talking about all these things. People contacted, you know, I guess the, the 5G people got, got, were upset by it. They contacted the powers that be and they pulled it down. Right. Right. So they just censored him. He didn't do anything wrong, but it, because it goes against the 5G that's being put up everywhere, that technically, if you're really overclocking it, becomes a weapon where they can target you individually. You know, you talk about tracking, right? So if your cell phone, I know your cell phone, you're doing something that's against the, the government, I can go, and if I have 5G in, on your street lamps as well as the towers, and I overclock it, I can literally target you as a signal that's why it's so good so no matter where you go you're going to get a great signal even indoors yeah yeah i can i can send so much signal and power to your phone i can overheat your battery okay you ever see one of these batteries and cell phones blow up yeah it's yeah. not that a joke happen actually yeah okay so you know that and it could be worse imagine that 10 times boom and where do you keep your cell phone in your pocket your heart right you send a piece of cell phone into your body cut an artery you're dead. You can be targeted with these things. That's why you don't want to attract you. <laughs> you know, and one of the things, Brian, I mean, people I know um, have said they've had live streams in, in the last two weeks, live streams interrupted, taken yep. down, and, and not like just because of a connection, then something pops up and saying, you violated community, whatever. Yep. And um, in these, you know, are pretty these are these are live streams that a month or two months ago nobody paid attention to you know yep. and and so i authentically uh am, am, am finding that and then um you know as another thing you indicated you know we just talked about cell phones and, and i forgot about this but it, it would be pretty uh again it, it would be easy to say if you're not following your the community rules right we can uh, shut down your cell phone for example, if you're going out to the beach or you're going out to a park, 
that right. you, you shouldn't be here, whatever the hell it is. It comes we'll up. Turn and you says, off. We're going to turn you off and you'll have access to 911 in the last five minutes of every hour for the next two days. Well, a lot of people that was, they're, they're so addicted to social <laughs> media and just their phone that, that, you know, you get, you get a high level of compliance, I think. But I, I had something written down I wanted to get to. So we, we talked about, um, you know, I, coronavirus, right? Coronavirus right. deaths. And Dr. Burks and the White House, they've been really open with saying if somebody dies and has comorbid conditions. Right. And uh, comorbid. So, you know, you, you could have diabetes, you could have dementia, you could have um, COPD, other things. But if you also have coronavirus, you are now classified as dying of coronavirus. That's, that's your, right. yeah. so, so right now, um, again, it, uh, it's been, you know, the public databases on reporting of heart attacks and things like that have plummeted, right? People aren't having heart attacks is at the rate that they use, of course, because now the primary cause of death is identified as coronavirus. But so I had a friend of mine um, who, who studies this, he's on the legal side, and he said, um, you know, obviously this, this, is, this is happening. All of the stuff that's comorbid is just being thrown out the window. Yeah. Um, so also your data sets that you would use to track, you know, heart attacks, diabetes, strokes, things like that are all going to be basically useless for this year because, because they've been corrupted. But, but yes, 100%. I, so, well, what's your, what's your thought on the, this fact of, of there's absolutely no comorbid, comorbid or mean, so comorbid is if you have multiple conditions going on. So you, you could literally be, um, you know, in hospice, you know, terminal cancer and and you then also contract coronavirus and that would be your cause of death. There would be no mention that you are also an end stage, you know, cancer or something like that. So um I is I mean I'm looking at this, so the the numbers, if you just solely look at it that way, would be significantly higher. Um right. but the, the I I that to me is alarming because I've been hearing that from people. I also heard it from someone who lost uh, a family, family member died um, uh, in his uh, early sixties, but had uh, in, in the, the, they were told it was coronavirus. They weren't able to, to see him once he was hospitalized. Um, and this, this happened just in the last three, four days, but they also said, you know, there were other things going on, like, right, he had COPD and, and you know, whatever, whatever, and they expected that at some point within the not you know, too distant future, these things would, would cause him to die. Right. Um, but give me your take on this, because it, I'm very concerned, I'm very alarmed by that, because you can inflate numbers. I mean, there, there's a meme out there where there's a skydiver and he doesn't have a parachute on, and it says, you know, he died of of COVID, <laughs> you know, um, when he hit the, hit the ground. Yeah. So, that, see, this this is the problem. What I, I'm hearing from people that work in hospitals is that no matter what it is, uh, it's COVID. Um, yeah, I'm I'm hearing from people in the UK. Uh, someone went in, and they were there for. Here's 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 the difference between socialized medicine and what we have in the United States, which is pre-socialized medicine. It's better. Um, in, in the UK, there have doctors now who signed Hippo Hippocratic Oath to save lives, right? Are going around, no matter how old you are, if you're a senior of a certain age and up, like 60 and up, they yeah. want you to si sign DNRs. Yeah, do not, do not resuscitate, resuscitate. You bet. 
So they went into one person's room and they were there for like some kind of orthopedic thing, you know, like very minor, like whatever. They were doing something and they wanted the woman to sign a DNR. So they were, I don't need a DNR. I'm doing an orthopedic thing. And they, they kept pressing her and pressing her for over an hour. And she didn't sign it, of course. But this is, it, 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 it takes, when people do this and they know it's, it's coronavirus versus a heart attack, um, it inflates the numbers artificially, right? So right. you get the scare factor of it. Right. And then you get the um, it makes it easier for whatever reason to file it, you know, to say, well, he was in and he had a heart attack, but we don't know if he died from the heart attack or the operation or coronavirus. Right. So there's a liability issue here right off the bat. Right. So if you go in for a heart attack and you right now and you die on the table, well, you died from coronavirus. Yes. Now, yeah. now, now nobody can sue this doctor. Right. Doctor's safe. The hospital's safe. No one can get sued. Because it was coronavirus. We couldn't do anything about it. Right. So that, that's where I think this is going. And the reason why this is going, this is why you can't trust anybody to have your data tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing. It all goes into whoever the power that be is that's in control of it, whoever the winners or the victors in history, they write the history. They write the rule books. You know? um, but little by little, things start trickling out about you know, things like you know, what really happened. Um, you know, Columbus growing up, when I, you know, I have no problem with Christopher Columbus, but I mean, he, you know, he came here and he slaughtered innocence. Right. Okay. But, but you know, if you, you can see on both sides of the fence, it was terrible that he did what he did, but look where he's coming from. He's coming from a uh, European society and I'm going to take what I, I I'm better than you. I'm more powerful than you and I can do what I want. I don't think it's right to kill people personally right there, but you know, this is the same thing with this virus. Um, I have a problem with them hiding the information and the data because now, They've just inflated the numbers on how many people are actually affected by this virus, right? And how many people right. are. And then, then from that information, look look at all the numbers. We have to tag everybody and bag them. We have to do this. Otherwise, right. we're, look, there's a million people that had it. No, there wasn't. And, and I'm not belittling this. This is a, a real virus. People are dying from this. Yes. Okay? But the numbers, if you if you... If you really look at what numbers are, it's it's not in the same breath as people that, that committed suicide. Two plus two point three million people this year or something like that. It's nowhere near that. And by them artificially doing it, they're padding their reasons why they're gonna take your rights away from you. And yeah. and yeah. why this conversation we're having right here will be up for about forty eight hours, <laughs> whatever, until someone sees it and goes, Oh, they're on to us, you know? So this is the problem we have here. And this is why um, Thomas Jefferson and our founding fathers even said it. A little revolution is good every now and then. Um, I thought initially when we, you know, before this happened, someone asked me, we were talking, I think on Jim Mallard's um, show, Mallard Report, great show. Yes. And you can check it out. And we were doing the predictions and I went back to the predictions because I think I predicted this global catastrophe, which we we're experiencing. And I said, this country, uh, speaking of U.S., is so divided and people are so entrenched on either side of this political spectrum you know the politics of constitutional your constitutional rights versus this socialist democrat which i can't stand that term because they they shouldn't be with each other yes. you know right um society that the only way out of this is either um a civil war or some kind of act of god and lo and behold what right. have we just had right. an act of god and if and and even now, I still 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 see people entrenched in their, you know, 
stuff, pointing fingers. Well, he should have done a better job. Like, look, he's doing the best job he has. Everybody's in the same situation, no matter what country you're in. Yeah. It's not like we could put up an invisible, like put up the cones of silence and right. this dome comes over, you know, right. and it, it was bound to happen. We were, we are so interconnected. We were going to get this, whether we wanted it or not. Um, and I think he, the person that, that, you know, is in charge, try to put things in place to prevent people from coming here. And then he got crapped on by both his, his people, as well as the other people saying, you can't do it. It's xenophobia. Right. Look, leaders make decisions that are not popular. You have to lead. If you want somebody who's popular and you, whatever, go, go to the movies, go right. follow a basketball coach right. or baseball coach. But when you, when you're the leader, when you're the person that's out there and you've got a choice, I know there are terrorists in this town. There's 25,000 people in this town. And I'm looking at three terrorists that are going to planning a bomb right now to kill a million people in Chicago, let's say. I have to say, well, we could take them out right now and kill everybody and save a million people in Chicago by taking out 25,000. Or we can try to go in there, but there's a good chance they're going to escape and innocent people are going to get killed anyhow. Right. You have to make tough decisions. Yeah. And let me tell you, every president's had to make it. Every, you know, even these senators, you, you know, it's, it's, some of it's tough, but it's not, it's not going to be popular. You want kinder, gentler, nicer, read a comic book or a fantasy novel because real life doesn't work that way. Real life people have to be killed. We're not in a kumbaya society. We, we've never will be. And, right. and there'll always be something, be it racism or sexism or something. But what you can do is be very proactive and try not to be that way anymore. Try to lead, show your children that, like, look, you know, be a little bit more considerate. Be, just be polite. And um, one of the greatest things that happened from 9-11 was the two weeks thereafter, everybody was really nice to each other. Right. Right. No matter what you read, Indian, black, white, pink, blue, green, like, oh, we're Americans. We're good. Okay. I got you. I got you. That's what we need now. We need to keep that philosophy going. We need to say, look, we're good. Let's be nice to each other. Let's be polite. Step out of the way. No, you don't talk back. No, you don't spit on somebody. You know, if we can get this method down, there's no reason why we can't have a great, wonderful life from this point forward. We have opportunities here beyond belief. I think, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I've interviewed uh, you know, a few people. One was uh, Nick Schulander, who's an engineering student yeah. at Washington State. And, and he was saying, um, you know, just he kind of narrowed it down. And he said, think about battery life for anything that we, we have, whether it be a phone, a camera, whatever. He's like, the, the, the technology, the innovation with batteries. In two years, a battery might stay charged for 72 hours. It just would be right. the norm. He's like, it, it, and just think of, and he's, he just rambled. He's a you know, mechanical engineer. He, he rambled right. off like five things he said that would be better that this is kind of if, propel us. Now that was from, from that standpoint. But yeah, I, I think, you know, you're right on with if we can maintain um, societal. And I, I think one of the things that's going to interfere with that, that we have to somehow try to negotiate is, We've just identified people as non-essential. Like the person yep. that's, that cuts my my hair, um, her her shop was shut down, and you know could so the place that's that does you know services my lawnmower, you know my ho hometown place, mom and pop, they're shut down. Right. Yet the paint place is open. So we we've just kind of said 
you know, you're important, your livelihood, what you do is important and other people it's not. So that's become objective and, and, you know, probably more at a state level. So you talk about federal, state, and then also counties getting even more restrictive on what they believe is essential or not. Yep. And if I'm being told, you know, Dave, what you do is, isn't essential. It's, 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 it's a slap in the face, right? It's like, well, yep. no, it is, it, it is essential. And it's, and like my hairstylist, for example, um, she could easily have, have taken measures and precautions and they only have a couple people in there, like the, like the lawn place. I mean, yeah. any time there's maybe three, four people in the showroom, they could have put in lines, they could have done these things to yep. say, so, knock on the door before coming in. Not yeah. So tell me how you you see, and, I, and and we can we can wrap this up. It's been great. How do how do you see then the bridging of of this? I'm essential versus not essential. Because honestly, I mean, some people I think are going to take this. I'm essential. Like I, I know somebody who who's kind of taken got a big head from this. Like you know, has papers from his employer to travel and if if he was pulled over not the, but actually has these in, in it says this this essential employer has this role uh, has yeah. this and he's kind of like puffed up and so uh, and i'm like dude 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 just just bring it down a little <laughs> just bring it down a little so so here's the thing everybody's essential okay whether you like it or not your hairstyles is essential my customers and clients are essential their parties that they're going to have is essential everything's essential and, and if people in government and, and, and city, state, local, federal think that they're like, oh, no, you're not essential, I got another thing coming to you. Because people are now coming up and, and realizing that these individuals, their employer, their employer wishes, wants, is not essential. They're finally coming to terms with, you know what, it may not be the perfect life, but I can get by in a couple of cans of peanut butter and jelly. My kids are fed. Right. They get their work. And, you know, no one's been buying anything for two months, you know, almost or whatever. They, they buy some stuff from Amazon, but it's basically food, whatever. No one's going out buying a big, you know, 85-inch TV set. Right. So if I was a corporation right now, I'd be a little bit nervous. I'd be a lot nervous because they treated the American person or the worker. I'm just going to talk an American standpoint. But these corporations have abused their power and privilege, really just treated people as cattle. And they're realizing, you know, they're going to realize now that, you know what? You're not going to treat me as cattle. No, my time with my family is important. My things that I want to do is why I work. Okay. I don't work for you. So, and this is the government too. It's like, you know what? The hell with your taxes. People, see, this is, where, this is why you want the, the government wants control over people. Because if people realize right off the bat that if we, the people, the first line of the Constitution, right. we, the people, in order to, okay, if we stopped with all this stuff of our opinions on and our disagreements on everything, gun, abortion, gay, not gay, whatever it is, and we put that to the side for a few minutes and we came together, you'd see everybody in Washington crap their pants. You would see business crap their pants because we can do whatever we want. Right. And I think it would be for right. the better of us. And it's right. not about taking care of everybody. But it's about, like, no, we're not going to allow you to get insider trading and make money. No, you have to have the health care. Because, frankly, if they had the health care, like the, the Obama bill or whatever it was, if they were able to have and, and they were required to have it first, I'd, I'd be jumping on board in a heartbeat because I know it would be great. Right. Right? right. They're not going to screw themselves right. you know, whatsoever. So I jump on board with it. See, this is the problem. We have been, they, they, you know, they're distracting us with this and taking our wallet. They're distracting with that. You take your pocketbook. 
I think it's on both sides of the spectrum that people are waking up and saying, we don't need you. Yeah. We're it, screwed. It, we'll work locally. We'll, we'll trade off for, you know, I'll tutor your yeah. child. Give yeah. me a couple eggs. And it's a new, it's a new frontier. But another, one more thing is that we have an opportunity here to really, one of the plans I did is going back to that IMF thing. Yeah, is almost, for, almost forgiving the debt. Right. Right. Here's the thing. I'm a capitalist. I love money. I love to make money. Okay. And as a corporate person, uh, boards are there to make money for the corporation. If your iPhone is $1,500 right now, and you're telling me that I, I can buy an iPhone for 1500 bucks, or I can have this money, pay my rent, give my kids shoes and, and feed my children. Guess what? I'm feeding my kids, paying my rent, whatever. I don't need your iPhone. And I've been saying this for a long, long time. Right. Corporations have to realize you're overpricing everybody out of this thing. You're biting the hand that feeds. Right. We have an opportunity to forgive a lot of debt, a lot of debt, get everybody back to zero. And I think yeah. um, if you're really, you know, people like, oh, no, well, it teaches people bad manners about whatever. No, it's, it's the kind of like that Great Depression mentality. We have to do something. Yeah. And Social Security was a very socialist thing, but it did help people out until they started spending the government. Right. But if we can forgive the debts here and people can come out of this saying, listen, I lost two months worth of, of work, three months. But you know what? I don't have $80,000 in credit card debt. Yeah. You know what they're going to do? They're going to spend money. They're going to take their money and spend money. They're going to go on right. vacation. Right. They're going to invest. They're going to save. You know, and and it's going to spur the economy where the people are like, well, we need more people here to go and, and help these customers out. Cor yeah. This is no, this could a, be the second revolution. Model, yeah, it, yeah it, it, makes, it makes sense. And, and uh, you know, one of my you know, friends in, in the military also pointed out, you know, <laughs> every – the U.S. I mean, who's going to who's going to mess with the U.S. if the U.S. was to lead this and say, kind of, you know, globally, we're going to cross off the zeros and balance out the debt. I mean, no one's going to come and take on the biggest military in in the no. world. This could be this could be this jubilee time. And so you you, you talked about um, also. So so let's I, the, yesterday get this yesterday. Right. So our dryers our dryer wasn't working, and I was about to call the service guy. You know. And I'm thinking, I don't know if they even come out now with the, with the right. move. But anyway, so I'm like, I, I, I'm just going to give this a try. Like, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to take take this thing apart. And the timer's not setting. And I'm like, I used to be pretty good at this stuff. And then I just kind of, you know, would call the service guy. But um, so I actually, I take the whole unit, take the dryer apart, spend a day taking the pieces apart, putting it in, and kind of do a couple of YouTube videos to try to figure out, like, if people right. have the dryers like 10 years old. And friggin', I fix the thing. Like, actually, I, I disassemble it. I figure out what's I can visually, and then I go and I fix it, put it back together, and all of the stuff lights up. I'm like, holy Christ, I feel like Doc, you know, setting to 1985 on the time machine at the Flux of Master, and it works. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, my. But so, and another, another thing. So, you know, we, as you, um, my kids are home. We're doing virtual schooling. And right. every year, right, every year on average, there's about $12,000 per student that the government receives to, to right. pay for kids. And if we do the math and kids, I mean, a lot of this goes toward administrative. A lot of this also goes in the government. But one of the things, too, is like where I'm at, close by, um, school districts have been putting together referendums, you know, a half billion dollars for a, a you know, high school, middle school complex with artificial turf, stands, jumbotrons, the whole shit. And it was passing, right, because it was good times. But then taxpayers would get 
an extra $300 a month, like on their tax bill to do this. But um, there was also this, this, this part right now of saying, let's knock that shit off. Like if we're going to do education, let's not, uh, you know, do the artificial turf and put this on everybody's back so they can't do other things to keep to, to do these. And people yeah. in my neighborhood are talking, we kind of butt up against some land where we can do this, like adding gardens in the backyard and and things like and, and things where we become more self-sufficient on, on some of our stuff too. You know, whether whether it be cooking or trying to repair some of the things and um and and I so I, I do see like a lot of positive Right, and, uh, you know things that that come from this. You know, as we've hit, you know, the concerns, you know, the ability for government tracking, and then kind of things that would be out of our control of, you know, someone, you know, uh, from a Department of Health contacting you and saying, Brian, you know, your your DNA your DNA um, code matches this virus, which is anticipated to get to America next month. So we need you to, you know, self quarantine. Right, and if you don't, we're tracking your phone and it'll be shut off and then you'll also have whatever, whatever these. So, you know, it's these type of things, but um, I, I, in Cajun, you know, you talk about the hurricanes, right. In Katrina, Katrina, big right. Cajun Navy relief. And I had Katie Pashan on a couple of my shows and she, and she works uh, with Cajun Navy relief. I mean, these are citizens, nonprofit 501 three C or C3 or whatever the hell it is. Right. That wanted to come in and the government said, no, if you step in there, you know, we're going to arrest you. And right now, I, I looked in the latest, um, or in the Stafford Act from President Trump, he allows drones to be used for um, public re- relief. Like you can, people now are taking drones. You don't see a lot of footage of this, but I know it's happening because I hear it from the-, the Toilet the paper drops. Paper, toilet paper <laughs> drops, food, yeah, other things food, that they vitamins. can bring in. Yeah. And this was all illegal, right? Because you couldn't do it with a commercial or recreational license. My neighbor right. is a drone guy and he's like, Christ, I got to insure the thing every time I take it up. Like there's this whole deal. Um, so a lot of this stuff too, is kind of being swept off the board of saying there's a lot of really cool things and, and things that we can do. The technology is there. Um, I think something that, that people are, are, are waking up to is, and, um, I love the guy, Mike Rowe from dirty jobs yes. and he, he came out, there's like, like 2.5 or 25 million jobs out there that are blue collar working jobs. And the reason why they're not filled is because people have been promoting this whole college university mentality of everybody needs to go to college. Well, the problem with that is we don't have enough jobs for the people coming out of college, right? So maybe some people are sort of working up and saying, you know what? Maybe college isn't the way it should be going right now. Why should I be taking on debt when there's no employment? Maybe they're going to wake up to that. That's not a necessity. And and I mean that. Um, I even thought about it. You know, had I gone into a civil servant type of thing, um, I don't know, sanitation, uh, anything. I would have been retired already for a long time, you know, working and making buku bucks on the, on the private sector, but I still would have had full, full, full pension. Right. Um, so, you know, don't discredit the, the civil jobs. Don't discredit becoming a plumber or, or, or that type of stuff. I think another thing we're going to get out of this is people need to uh, really do some uh, soul searching and you need to learn how to garden. You need to learn how to, about old medicine from, from plants, you really need to start being proactive and stop ordering your Chinese food and actually learn how to cook food and plain grow it. Yeah. Um, I I've said it before. I'm not a big hunter. I don't hunt. Um, I don't have weapons, but I don't, I I've never had a desire, desire to shoot an animal. I respect every hunter that has done it because everybody I know doesn't, you know, some people do a, a, a trophy, but majority of it is for food sustenance. Um, 
But I, I said, and I posted this once, I really regret not hunting because, I mean, I could watch a YouTube video, I guess, whatever, but it's not you know, like, hey, anybody can kill something, but I don't know how to prepare the meat. I don't know how to how to um, clean clean the, the deer and make sure I, I don't cut this spot or that. You should learn how to do that. Um, I think people should learn how to fire, clean, handle, take care of firearms. And I think everybody in this country should be required to within reason, not people taking, you know, certain medications that will, will um, that affect their, their thinking, like some of these antidepressants that have right. been a problem, but because then there's no excuse and there's no reason for these laws. People are well aware if you're 18 or whatever, to, that you have to qualify, whether you use it or not, you have to qualify. And maybe it puts a little bit more, let, uh, less detention with the police. Maybe we don't need a police state at that point because people are, are capable of protecting themselves. And I think people are finding out really quickly that they need to protect themselves right now. A lot yeah. of people have been buying, a lot of people that were anti whatever are buying firearms. They, right. They're going through the roof. And so, so again, when you tell me I don't need 10 weapons, it's none of your business. Now that you're buying firearms, you'll understand this is why we have the second amendment. It's not the first, the first is say you can say and do and believe what you want. And the second is, we back it up and we back up every amendment that that's around the second because of the second amendment, you have yeah. a right to defend it. So we're finding out what's really crucial, what's really important and what's not. And I hope we learn from this. I hope we're able to expand upon it, but like true Americans and, and the people that we are, you're going to have a percentage of people that don't do a damn thing. You're going to have a percentage of people that take this and run with it. And then you have the middle ground, which is kind of like, eh, I don't know. You know, um, I think at one point, because we didn't have enough jobs in this country in manufacturing, I even suggested a living wage that if you if you're, you know, every American should get you know, over the age of 21, or let's say, should be getting um, $65,000 a year. Sure. And, and whether you work or not, again, you take away benefits. So there's no more WIC and there's no more whatever. Here's your money. You're going to have to buy your insurance with it. You're going to have to take care of whatever you didn't take care of with it. Um, and if everybody had that, then what, what could be, could possibly happen is maybe like those people that had a dream to open up a coffee shop or, you know, I always wanted to open up like a little, you know, something. Maybe they say, you know what? Well, I'm going to retire from my job. You still work, honey, but I'm going to take this money we're getting every month and I'm going to be able to open up a coffee shop. And right. then what happens? You hire somebody to work in the coffee shop. So you just employed somebody which is what you want with small businesses, right? We need more of these small businesses. We need more innovation. So hopefully from this, we get the ability to allow people to run with this and allow us to be freed of, of all these constraints and say, you know what? There is hope in this future. Um, we can rebuild this country. We're going to bring back manufacturing. I'm almost guaranteeing that at this point, but it's going to take a couple of years to get the factories up. So right. in the interim, we need to be able to say to people, here's some money. It's not going to be enough, actually, but, you know, we got to work out a number. And I think what will happen is things will start balancing out. The economy will realize I can't keep charging $1,500 for an iPhone. Now it's 400 Yeah. Yeah. I, you I'm know, with you. I'm using I, the I, iPhone I, as an example. I think, yeah, price, you know, price restructuring, you know, yeah. I, I just went like, you know, gas was like a buck 10, you know, when I went out this morning and, um, so yeah, I I think we're going to going to see those things. Also, universities um, it, not it, as expensive. 
Not as not as expensive. Yeah, you indicated that um, universities not as expensive. Well, let, let's do wrap up. How can people um, find out more about you, Brian? Oh, it's, it's you can. Get, I'm on Facebook. Um, if you go to Facebook, if you go to uh, uh, if you want to email me questions at insidethegoblinuniverse.com, you can catch my show on Podbean. It's Inside the Goblin Universe. Also, No Ball Boomy, which is, stands for Nobody But Me. Right. We've got a couple of shows there, and I'm actually doing one with my daughter now. So. You know, but that's where I'm, I'm pretty much any place you want to be social media wise. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, The truth will keep you safe.